Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7, verse 10 through 17. And as you are opening your Bibles, uh, congregation, I think it's worth it to spend a little time before we get into the passage talking about the context and exactly what's going on. You see, Amos is a beautiful book, but nonetheless, it's a book that quite frequently people don't, don't really know much about it. For being honest, the minor prophets are, are, are something that we rarely turn to in life, and so it's good for us to spend a little time uh, think about, thinking about the context of what's going on before we get into the passage. Now, Amos was a prophet to a divided country. Amos was sent out to the people of Israel. And at this time, God's people were divided into two countries. There was a kingdom to the north, Israel, and the kingdom to the south, Judah. Judah occasionally studied and and lived and loved God's word and occasionally did not. But Israel, unfortunately, was a place that in many ways had abandoned God's word. And so Amos came to this divided country. He came to preach specifically to the people of the north, to the people of Israel. And Israel was at this time at its most prosperous point. It was at its strongest that it had ever been. The king, Jeroboam II, had uh, was or is remembered mainly for having reconquered large areas of the land. So Israel was at its strongest. They were at its richest. They had just about everything they could ever want. They were at their most spiritual, not their most faithful, certainly, but their most spiritual. They had temples set over all the land, some of them where they claimed to worship God, at Bethel, at Gilgal, at uh, later on at Dan. And so these places were places where, where they would claim to worship God. But in reality, they were ultimately just living a very superficial religion. It was in the end idolatry. So Amos came to a people who were rich, strong, spiritual, and yet they were dead in their sins and their trespasses. They didn't want to hear the word of God. They didn't want to hear that God wanted them to truly repent. So in the book of Amos, Amos comes to these people and he begins to preach And the message he begins to preach is not an easy one to hear. He begins to preach to them, ultimately, the phrase or the idea, repent or perish. Either you come to the Lord, repenting of your sins and your idolatry, or you will soon be before the Lord in judgment. You can imagine the people didn't want to hear something like this. And, And so now, the passage before us this morning, Amos is confronted uh, as the people who don't want to hear this message, uh, ultimately it comes to a head. So we turn now then 
So Amos chapter 7, verse 10 through 17. Amos chapter 7, verse 10 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you. In the midst of the house of Israel, the land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Thus far, the reading of God's holy and inerrant and perfect word. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray for our hearts today. that they would hear and receive your word, that they would treat with your word with the seriousness it deserves. We pray, Lord, that our hearts, our ears, our minds would all be focused in on this one truth, that your word deserves its respect. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does God's word do? What does God's word do? If we were to give a Bible to someone on the street, if we were to ask them to explain exactly the purpose of God's word and what it does, well, I can tell you that the vast majority of people would answer with, Nothing. Most people, if you were to go out into the world and to ask them what the word of God does, they would say nothing. It's completely unimportant. They'll say something to this effect. Well, the Bible was important in its day. But we don't need it anymore. They'll say something like, the Bible has important ideas from wise people from the past. We don't need it anymore. It's not important. We've gone beyond it. Some will even be audacious enough to say the Bible is passé. It is old. It is primitive. We don't need something like that. And if we were to examine congregation furthermore, the churches that dot this land, 
if we were to go into many places that claim to be places of God's worship, if we were to go to those mega churches, places where Joel Osteen or, or Creflo Dollar or, or just these mega churches where thousands of people gather and we were to hold up a Bible and we were to say, what good is God's word? Most of them would say, well, God's word is great, but it's not all that important. And so churches all around our country and in fact all around the world have somewhat set God's word aside. They have flashy lights. They have loud music. Their pastors wear uh, tight pants. They have movies, theatrical plays. They tell great jokes. But the word of God is somewhat pushed into a corner. And it's made to be a springboard for what they study instead of actually studying God's word. They preach, if, if not with their mouth, then with their actions, that God's word is unimportant. We often think that this is something that only our nation faces or only some areas face. But the fact of the matter is, congregation... That this is something that the church has faced for all of history. You see in the passage before us this morning, Amos was in that exact scenario. He was in the place that we are today. He was in the context of a place where God's word was unimportant. God's word was unnecessary. People were more concerned with making a living, with hearing comforting words, with enjoying their lives and feeling that they were very spiritual, rather than actually listening to what God's word has to say. The congregation in this passage before us this morning, God shows through these events and through the actions of Amos that God's word is something serious. Far from being the dead letter in a book, God's word is serious. It demands our respect. It demands our honor. It demands that we listen to it carefully. And for those who will not listen who will not care for God's word, this passage shows that God will destroy those people. So turn with me this morning, congregation, and we'll study, examine this passage before us to show and to see exactly what it is that God's word actually does. The first thing that this passage teaches us, congregation, is that God's word confronts the listener. God's word confronts the listener. This is true, by the way, for the believer and for the unbeliever alike. God's word confronts the listener. Congregation, if you were to look at the context of this passage, you would find that up to this point in the book of Amos, he has been faithfully preaching God's word. 
He has gone before the people and time and time again explained God's word to them, brought it forward to them, said, this is the word of the Lord. In fact, if you were to go through the book of Amos and and highlight every section that says, thus says the word of the Lord, or the word of the Lord came to me, or God showed me this, you would find that Amos in these nine short chapters says this over 60 times. Amos had been faithfully preaching God's word. And more than that, congregation, he has commanded them by God's word to repent. And more than that, congregation, he has pleaded with them to repent. God has come before them time and time again by the mouth of Amos and said, come to me. Why will you perish? If you look at chapter 4, God speaks to the people of Israel and he says, I sent you these terrible things, and yet you did not turn back to me. And if you go to chapter 5, immediately after, God says through the mouth of Amos, Seek me and live. But don't seek Bethel, don't seek Gilgal, these false idolatrous places. So, So God has commanded the people, He has pled for them to come to him. Amos in chapter 7, in the beginning of chapter 7, has even interceded for these people. When God prepares and shows destruction that's about to take place on Israel, Amos cries out, verse 2 and verse 5, O Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand He is so small. Oh, Lord God, please cease. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. And God has relented, stayed his hand, held back his wrath. So congregation, as we step into our passage this morning, we see that Amos has been faithful, that God has been faithful in calling out to the people, In seeking to bring them forward. His word has been something that has called them from their sin. To look to the Savior. Called them from idolatry. To worship with true hearts. He's been preaching now for some time. Perhaps almost two years. And in all that time, it seems that God's word has been ultimately ignored. It's gained very little respect, very little interest. Far from it, the people of Israel absolutely seem to have despised the preaching of Amos. And so when Amos comes before them, he's continually reminding them, this is God's word. This is not what I'm saying. This is what God is saying. Listen to the word of the Lord. These people, they didn't want to listen. You can imagine that when Amos preached that they needed to repent of their idolatry, he made enemies. People began to look for a way to trip him up, a way to twist the word of the Lord, a way to turn people away, a way to to find a way to seek and to stop Amos. 
when we get to verse 10, these enemies find a way to do it. And Amaziah, the false high priest of Bethel, a false temple, hears something that Amos has been saying and he finds a way to twist it. Amaziah, you must understand, congregation, has been hearing Amos's words and he has grown concerned. He has been confronted with God's word and he worries. Not about what's going to happen, but he's worried that somehow he'll lose his job. After all, if people actually start listening to Amos for once, well, then he'll be out of a job. They'll destroy Bethel, and people will leave their idolatry. So look at verse 10 through 13 with me. See what Amaziah does. He does this, verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and it is a temple of the kingdom. Notice, brothers and sisters, the way that this false priest responds to God's word. Does he respond with repentance? Does he respond by turning to the Lord? Does he say, I was wrong? Not at all. Not for a moment. Instead, he begins to make charges against Amos and against Amos' preaching and against the word of the Lord. He writes a letter to Jeroboam. He charges Amos of being dangerous to the country. To the king himself in verse 10 and 11. He claims that Amos is conspiring against the king. As I'm sure you would be aware, congregation, that would be a death sentence for Amos. Amaziah is not seeking merely to stop him up. But to get him to die. And after he writes the letter, he musters up all the authority that he has in order to try and command Amos to leave Israel to stop preaching. We don't have the king Jeroboam's response here, so it's entirely possible that the king didn't respond at all. But Amaziah now stands forward and he says, Amos, get out of here. We don't want you here. Flee to the land of Judah. There, eat bread. He says, Amos, I recognize that you, you want to, to talk your talk and walk your walk, but you're not going to get any pay here. He hints, or, or outright says, rather, that Amos is only there because he's looking to try and get money. To make matters worse, congregation, Amaziah doesn't only make false charges against Amos himself. Far worse than this. Amaziah stands forward and he makes charges against the word of God. When he writes the letter to Jeroboam, he twists God's word. He cuts out everything that Amos has said that might indicate that God is merciful. 
if you look here at what he says, he says, well, well, Amos has said that Jeroboam will die by the sword. He completely ignores the fact that Amos only a few verses earlier has cried out to the Lord for mercy. And Amaziah, furthermore, twists God's word by seeking to, to take it out of its context. God says in verse 9, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. But what does Amaziah say? Amos has said, I will destroy Jeroboam. Not the house of Jeroboam, but Jeroboam himself. So Amaziah is twisting God's word. To make matters worse, he is downplaying, discrediting, altogether denying the divine origin of what Amos is saying. He says, verse 11, thus Amos has said. Amos all along has declared, the Lord says this, thus says the Lord. And Amaziah says, thus Amos has said. Again, mockingly, self-righteously, he says, flee, you seer. He's not serious there. He's saying, get out of here, you, you who call yourself a prophet. You who think so highly of yourself to preach God's word, get out of here. In effect, Amaziah is saying, your message is false. You're a false pastor, a false prophet, a false preacher of God's word. You're not preaching God's word at all. You're just looking for a way to make money. Congregation, does Amaziah's tactics, or do Amaziah's tactics here seem familiar to you? Do they sound somewhat familiar? They certainly should. These are the same tactics that the world today makes when they're confronted with God's word. When they hear God's word, they do not wish to listen. They're fine with all the, all the uh, flowery statements that people might make. They love to hear how God loves them. They love to hear that God is happy with them. They love to think of, da of God as that great daddy in the sky. They don't want to hear what God actually has to say. Like Amaziah, this false priest who was more concerned about his money and his financial status and the way he, he could gain a living than he is actually hearing God's word. So too, the people of the world today, and many people even in the church, they're not content with hearing God's word. They don't want to be confronted by it. And so, when the unbeliever is confronted by God's word, when they hear the word of God faithfully preach, when they hear, repent or perish, in Christ there is life, outside of him there is death. When they hear these words, they reject it. They look for ways to downplay God's word, to downplay his messengers, to downplay what the Lord is saying. In order to silence God's word, well, they may claim that the word of God is dangerous to the state. They claim that the Christian church is filled with fringe extremists who believe crazy things. 
that when we read God's word and we seek to do it, we are insane fundamentalists who, who only wish to, to remove freedom. And if that doesn't stick, well then they go and they twist God's word. They take it out of context and they say, oh, see what the Bible says. You, how can you possibly believe something like that? Or they attack God's messenger, just as Amaziah was attacking Amos here. They say, the preacher's only in it for the money. Or the preacher is only here uh, because he wants people to listen to him and, and he's really leading people astray. Throughout history, we have so many uh, people who claim that religion and true religion is only there to distract people. People like Karl Marx who claimed that religion is the opiate of the masses, only there to distract people from the truth. And like Amaziah, they'll dismiss God's word as if it's nothing important. The Bible can be anything but God's word. They wish for the Bible and they, they claim the Bible to be oh, the words of wise men. They claim that it's uh, something about history. They claim that it's, it's the, the ideas of some people from very long ago. But they are never content to say that this is the word of the Lord. They will not have it said that this word commands things that they have to listen to. So they reject it. They say this isn't God's word. God has not spoken. Like the serpent in the garden, they say, has God truly said? So congregation, when you meet with those who despise and disparage the Bible, don't be surprised. You're not seeing anything new. On the contrary, Amos faced the same sorts of people. So look beyond their claims. Why do they say these things? Why do they downplay God's word? Why do they attack those who would preach it? It's because they're confronted by it. Because God's word commands them. And they don't want to leave behind their sin. They, like Amaziah, hate that it calls them to repent. Congregation, how horrible it is that there are people like Amaziah in this world and many, many people who, when they look and see the glory of Christ, when they read God's word and, and how beautiful it is, when they read and see the love of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sakes, they, they turn away and they say, well, if I believe that, I'd have to repent. If I believe that, I'd have to leave behind my sin. God's word confronts those who hear it. It commands them to repent, and they don't want to do that. But in the second place, congregation, while it confronts those who listen, it does opposite things for the believer and the unbeliever. In the second place, congregation, God's word changes the believer. God's word changes the believer. 
Amos has been warned by the priest of Bethel to flee. Some of the most important people in Israel certainly want him dead. The high priest does. Perhaps the king himself at this point. We don't know. We don't know what Jeroboam thought. But certainly at this point, some of the most important people in the entire country wanted Amos's head. In a literal as well as a metaphorical sense. But what, how does Amos respond? Does he respond by backing down? Does he respond by going home? By saying, well, I'm, I'm so sorry for, for offending you. Does he respond by shutting up? Not at all. He's not afraid of Amaziah's threats. Far from it, Amos responds to Amaziah's charges. And he does that in verse 14 through 15. Look with me there. He says this. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. The Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. And he continues. First congregation, when, Am when Amos responds to Amaziah, he says this, I was not a prophet nor a prophet's son. The way Amos says these words is emphatic. He's saying, I had no reason to pick up prophecy. I had no reason to become a prophet. I didn't. I didn't train for this. At the time that Amos was alive, the prophets very frequently went through some sort of training. Elijah trained Elisha. Elisha trained many prophets, and these prophets were called the sons of the prophets as they were going through their training. They went through, you might say, an ancient Israelite seminary. But Amos looks at Amaziah and he says, I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't born into this. I'm not a prophet's son. I didn't go into this because I decided one day. I didn't go into this because my dad was a prophet or because uh, this was something I was trained to do. This was not my plan. He says, I, I was a, a herdsman, a shepherd. I tended to sycamore figs. I was a farmer and a shepherd. He says, I didn't need your money. I'm not here to preach so that you'll pay me. He says, I am here, verse 15, because God called me. Amaziah, you say Amos has said. But I'm not here because, because I want your money. No, Amos tells Amaziah that God took him from shepherding the flock. And he made Amos a prophet. Verse 15. The Lord took me from following the flock. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. It's not as if Amos up and decided to go into the business of prophecy. 
He did not one day just decide, you know what, I'm tired of, of being a shepherd, I'm tired of being a farmer, let me go to preach? He didn't decide that. No. The eternal God had said to him, you're a shepherd, now you'll shepherd my people Israel. Go and preach. So Amos went. Now, congregation, let me ask you this question. What made Amos change? What is it that took Amos from being a, a shepherd and a tender of figs to being a thorn in the side of the people of Israel? What is it that, that took Amos from the land of Judah and made him travel up to Israel to preach? What is it that made Amos stand up and say, Thus says the Lord? The word of the Lord. The word of God changed him. God's command took him and shook him and said, Amos, go and preach to my people. And because of this, because Amos heard God's word, he wasn't afraid of Amaziah. He wasn't afraid of Jeroboam. How could he be? Congregation, God's word changed Amos. When God said, go and preach, God's word changed Amos. God's word, first of all, made Amos fear God. When Amos heard the word of the Lord who called him to preach, he learned to fear God more than he feared man. In chapter 3 of this book, Amos says, A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Amos's fear of the Lord took away his fear of, the, of man. So he stood tall and he said, I don't fear you, the Lord has called me. Put yourselves in Amos' place, congregation. If the Lord God, the sovereign king of the world, the creator who guides everything so that not a single atom is rebel to his will. If this king of all creation sat you down and said, preach my word, would you fear the threats of some false priest? Would you fear someone like Amaziah course not. The fear of the Lord makes it so that, the, that God's frown is your greatest fear. So that God's smile is your greatest delight. So that you no longer fear what the world has to say. More than that congregation, God's word made Amos to love God. As Amos went around preaching God's word, he saw God's beauty. He saw God, how God called every day to this rebellious generation, to the people of Israel. He saw how God took pity on the people of Israel, how God held back his wrath, saying, yet they might repent because of his mercy. Yet some might come to me. So when Amaziah told Amos not to prophesy, Amos knew he couldn't stop preaching. And third of the Lord, congregation, God's word made Amos able 
to preach. Amos went from a shepherd to a prophet. It wasn't as though Amos had been trained to do this, but Amos knew that when God commands, he also disposes. When God makes us stand up and, and, and preach, he makes us also able to preach. When God's word commands us to do something, it also makes us able to do that thing. So Amos went from being a shepherd to a prophet. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the same thing that happened to Amos happens to every single man, woman, and child who truly listens and truly follows the word of God. God's word changes you. Does that mean that every one of us is called to be a prophet? Certainly not. There's no such thing as prophets in the same way anymore. Does that mean that God calls you to be a pastor? Certainly not. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to preach from a pulpit. But God's word does command us to change. God's word commands every believer to repent of their sin, to trust in Jesus Christ, to live for Jesus Christ, and where God commands, there he also disposes. Do you fear, then, what man can do, congregation? Do you fear what man will think do you fear that they'll twist your words? Well, congregation, God's word changes the believer. It makes us able. It teaches us to fear the Lord instead of fearing man. It teaches us to love God and therefore to preach. So congregation, when the world despises the word of God, even though we're not all commanded to preach behind a pulpit, every believer is commanded to look to God. Every believer is commanded to live a life of the gospel. And every believer is furthermore commanded to preach, not behind a pulpit, but in your workplaces where you live, with your family, with your parents, with your children, with all those around you to say, hear the word of the Lord, to pick up a Bible and to say, this is what God says. So do you trust God and his word? Well then, congregation, this word will change you. To fear God instead of man. To love God and therefore preach. To trust that God will make you able and will give you the words to say. God's word will change you. And it changes every believer. But finally, and we won't spend too much time in this section, God's word also condemns the wicked. You see, when we're confronted by God's word, God's word changes those who believe, but it does ultimately condemn those who reject it. God's word condemns the wicked. God's word condemns the work wicked, and this we see in verse 16 and 17. When Amaziah ridiculed God's word, 
More importantly, when he sought to attack Amos because of what God said, he thought little of God's word. He treated it as if it were something of little importance, much like the world does today when they say, what good is God's word? Not much. Amaziah thought the same thing. But here God himself responds to Amaziah's actions. Verse 16 and 17, he says, Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus says the Lord, Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Amaziah wished for Amos to speak. Stop talking. Amaziah wished for Amos to shut up. But all Amaziah got was for Amos to particularize the word. Amos had said, the people of Israel will go into exile. Repent, believe, turn away from your wickedness. Amaziah says, stop preaching. And what does Amos do? What does God do? The people of Israel will go into exile. And you, Amaziah, will be destroyed. Amaziah was focused on protecting his own living. He denied the authority of the word of God. Because of this, God declares that everything Amaziah had would be destroyed. Every single aspect of Amaziah's life. Amaziah's wife would be forced into prostitution. His children would die by the sword. His land would be given away. He himself would die in an unclean land. And even his nation, the nation that he so pretended to love, the nation he pretended to be concerned about when writing that letter to Jeroboam, his nation would go into exile. God says to Amaziah, you deny my word, then I will give you a word. You're concerned about prosperity. I will destroy your prosperity. You're concerned about your false spirituality. I will destroy this temple. You're concerned about the king. I will destroy the nation. Pay close attention to this fact, congregation. Every one of you who is here this morning, God's word is dangerous to those who refuse to listen to it. God's word is dangerous to those who refuse to repent, who treat God's word as if it were a toy, something to be played with. God's word is dangerous to those who would dismiss it. For those who would refuse to allow God's word to change them. So congregation, in conclusion, then I, I turn to, to you this morning. Some of you perhaps are unbelievers. I don't know your hearts, only God does. But if you have been sitting and hearing what Amos did, if you've been hearing the command or the, the condemnation of God and you think, well, that's rather harsh, 
Well, I've got some bad news for you. If you listen to God's word and you reject it, the same is in store for you. Not in a physical sense, but in something much more real. God's word condemns those who reject it. Don't be like Amaziah. Don't be like Amaziah who dismissed God's word. Rather, tremble. Tremble at the word of the Lord. Listen carefully to what Amos is saying here. Listen carefully to what God declares. That unless you repent, you will be destroyed. That unless you turn to Christ, you will die in your sins. Perhaps you're annoyed at how Scripture commands you to repent from your sin. Well, know this. God takes His word seriously. His word demands your respect. His word demands that you listen to it. God Himself will condemn all those who treat it as if it's unimportant. Do you not read this passage and tremble, unbeliever? Listen to the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord here. But believers, take comfort in this. God will defend his word and his people. If you are truly in Jesus Christ, if you truly hate sin, if you truly repent of sin and turn to Christ looking to his blood for forgiveness alone, if you listen to the word of God, if you accept it and cherish it and, and preach it to those around you, you don't need to worry what man can do. You don't need to worry what man thinks of you. God will take care of you. So believers, hear the word of the Lord today. God commands every believer, like Amos, though not in the same way as Amos, to preach the word. To preach it boldly. To preach it faithfully. To listen to God's word. To listen to it closely. To accept it and receive it and love it. So congregation, take comfort in this. If you hear the word of the Lord, you don't need to fear what man can do to you. Hear. Hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that we would hear your word today. We pray that we would we would excuse me hear your word faithfully. That we would treat it with the respect it deserves. That we would listen carefully to your word. That we wouldn't treat it as if it's a light thing. We look to your word, Lord, and we find comfort in Christ. Now let us preach it. We pray that when we treat with your word, Lord, we would be ready to confront with your word those who still are in sin. And we pray, Lord, that we would not be like Amaziah, concerned with his well-being and his prosperity. We pray that we would be like Amos, 
to preach faithfully, to know that God commands us, and what he commands he makes us able to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.